Welcome to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in. We pray that the following message will help you connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and others. Good morning. Amen. Amen. It's always good to be in the house of the Lord. It's a privilege for, for me to be here uh, this morning. Um, many of you are looking at me like you don't know who I am. I thought you did, but I'm going to introduce myself anyway. Amen. My name is Richard Bumpers, and I serve uh, with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board in the area of evangelism. And uh, our goal, our purpose, and what we have a passion for is to partner alongside of churches and pastors to raise the culture or the temperature of evangelism within the church life and in our individual lives. And so I have the privilege of being able to go around to various churches and and just encourage the body of Christ to be intentional about sharing their story, about sharing Jesus Christ, the greatest story that's ever told. Amen? Amen. Well, this morning, my prayer is to accomplish two things. Number one, to encourage those who are Jesus followers to be more intentional about sharing their faith, to really encourage those who are Jesus followers to be more intentional about sharing their faith, And secondly, to encourage those who are not followers of Jesus that today that you would surrender your life to Jesus and follow him. One is to encourage those who are following. And secondly, to encourage those who are not following to surrender their lives to Jesus. I'm not a big storyteller. I I really believe that the word of God speaks for itself. So you're not going to hear a lot of stories about me, but we're going to hear the greatest story that's ever told and has ever been written, and that is that of Jesus Christ. Well, this morning, if you have your Bibles, if you have your smart devices, or like I normally say, if you have a good memory, if you would turn with me and meet me in the book of Mark chapter 5. It's going to be written on the overhead as well. Again, that's the book of Mark starting at chapter 5, and we're going to begin reading at verse 15 through 20. Again, that's Mark chapter 5. We're going to begin reading at verses 15 through 20. If you can stand, if you will stand for the reading of God's Word. Beginning at verse 15 first. It says, Then they came to Jesus and saw one who had been demon-possessed and had legions, sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him, him being Jesus, to depart from their region. And when he, Jesus, got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. 
Now, God, I pray that you will open up our hearts and our ears to receive what it is that you're going to say to us today through this message. Holy Spirit, have your way. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it is in Jesus' name that we do pray. And all of God's children said, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. This morning, I want to teach or to preach or to encourage you from these words raised directly from the text. Go and tell. This morning, there are three points that I believe that God wants us to live and wants us to hold dear to our own personal relationship with him. The the first one is that restoring our past. Jesus wants and desires to restore our past. Number two, Jesus desires that we have an understanding of our purpose. And last, number three, is that Jesus wants us to define our proclamation. He wants to restore our past. He wants us to understand our purpose, and he wants to define our proclamation. When Jesus and his disciples landed on the other side, they encountered two demon-possessed men, according to Matthew chapter 8, verses 28. But one specifically in this text was very vocal. This scene seems very unreal and uncommon in what we, what we would consider a postmodern or a modern civilization. But it would not be uncommon on many mission fields. In fact, I believe that demon possession is still prevalent in today's society. We just don't recognize it. Now, we're not told how this demon entered this man and took control of his life, but possibly, possibly, it could have been because this man invited or allowed or yielded to a power that was not of God. He allowed himself to be controlled by an evil spirit, yielding to sin. But in this text, there are three different forces that we see at work here. Number one, we see Satan and what he can do to people. Satan is a thief whose ultimate purpose, according to John 10, as Jesus says in John 10, 10, he says, but the thief comes but to steal, kill, and to destroy. And because of this man allowing sin, he began to be controlled by these evil things. And as a result of it, this man lost his home. I believe he lost his family. I believe he lost his friends. He lost his decency. He lost his dignity. He lost his peace and his purpose for living. And he would have stayed that way had Jesus not gone through a storm and arrived at this place to rescue him. The second force that we see at work is a society. About all society can do for people with problems is to isolate them and act like it doesn't exist. And the reality is society can't cope with the problems caused by sin. Society can't do anything. Of course, they would try to medicate, try to counsel, 
try to guide, try to give resources. But when you dig deep down, society can do anything except depend on what they know to be true. And even in that, there's no truth because the truth is only found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the only thing that society can do is push people and give them options. But they dare not give the option of Jesus. The third force, which is the most important, is that of a savior. The the beautiful part about this story is that we have a man that Jesus sees in his worst condition. And where most people would, would run from, Jesus ran to. What people were afraid of, Jesus was drawn to. And what people didn't understand, Jesus embraced. The beautiful part about this story is that we have a man that has been demon-possessed, that has been isolated, that is typically a menace to society. When, When people saw him, they ran from him. They didn't want to deal with him because his problems seemed too great for them to have any dealings with him at all. How many of us know people, honestly, that that have problems that are so horrific that you know without a shadow of a doubt that nothing can help them except Jesus? Many of us are conflicted with, 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 with our relationships with people because we don't know how to deal with them. They, 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 they're people that we know for a fact that we would call crazy. As a matter of fact, we don't want to have any dealings with them because they bring too much baggage. They cause too much problems. They require too much time. And so it's a lot easier for us to push them to the side or to, to avoid them than to deal with and help them deal with their issue that society has shunned them for. And the reality is that the only way that they're going to get help is not from a self-help book. They're not going to get help from 12 steps or 12 steps to this or six steps to that or 20 steps to this. The only way that they're going to be helped is by reading the Word of God. It's not 12 steps, not six steps, not three steps. It's only one step. And that's a step towards Jesus. All these same factors are still at work today. And the choice that we have is do we choose a savior or do we continue to yield to sin? But as Jesus encountered this demonic, this demon-possessed individual, Jesus changed this man's narrative. He he changed his story from, from being a man that was crazy, that nobody wanted to deal with, that nobody understood, that everybody ran from. Jesus changed his narrative. But number one, Jesus was restoring his past. How do I know that Jesus desires, that God desires to change our past and restore 
For Jeremiah 30 and 17 says, but I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declare the Lord, because you are called an outcast. Many of us understand what it means to be considered an outcast. I I know that I do. That people don't understand me. I'm, I'm a little different. When I was growing up, I was considered to be challenged. Many of our circles that we, that we run in or that we are affiliated with, we know people who would be considered outcast. They don't fit in. They, they, they don't look like. They don't fit the characteristic. They don't fit the image of what society has deemed as normal. So they're considered an outcast. And what I love about being an outcast is that Jesus is drawn to those who are different. He's drawn to those that other people do not want to connect with, that no one wants to talk about, that people are misinterpreted. Jesus is drawn to those people. In verse 5, it says, when they came to Jesus, they saw a man who had been demon-possessed, now sitting clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. What people saw was a crazy man, but Jesus saw was a man created with a purpose. They wanted to hold him to who he was, but Jesus wanted to free him and to let him know that his past doesn't determine his future. Where we've come from and what you've dealt with in your life is a story of success because you've been saved by a savior. What people used to hold you to doesn't hold you anymore. The beautiful thing is that our past doesn't determine our outcome. And what people saw, they didn't understand, but what Jesus saw was a man who needed help. This man's life was once controlled by many evil powers. But as we look at our own lives, we can venture to say that all of our lives have been possessed by something. All of us have experienced strongholds, have experienced sin. How do I know? Scripture says in Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, we all have been controlled by sin, and it is sin that separates us from God. Jesus recognized the man that his life was not living it to the full. The good news is that when you encounter Jesus, your life is instantly changed. It is renewed. It is restored. It is refreshed. And it is because of this man's encounter with Jesus that they didn't see a crazy man. What they saw was a changed man, a new man, a man sitting at the feet of Jesus. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. What you used to be doesn't define you. Where you've come from doesn't define you. What you've dealt with doesn't define you. Because once you're in Christ, you are a new creation. All things are passed away. You can say that I remember you when, yeah, you remember me when I used to do, but let me tell you about what God has done for me right now. Jesus 
wants to instantly change your life. The demon possessed, once demon-possessed man was seen one way, but Jesus saw him a different way. Perhaps in our lives, we probably, probably need to change our vision prescription. We, we probably need to stop looking at people through our human eyes and start seeing people through our spiritual eyes. Perhaps when we look at people, we begin to try and to interpret what their life was like. And we try to figure out how did they get to this point in their life versus having the compassion that Jesus has for all of us. I believe that's an amen moment right there. But what I love about this story is that in verse 16 and 17, it says, those who saw it told how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and the swine, and they began to plead with him to depart. Leave the region, please, Jesus. They, what, what you would think a person would be excited about, that man, we finally got a crazy man off the street. We finally got a man who has been changed and we're excited about it. But let me help you understand this. They weren't concerned about the man. What they were concerned about was their pigs. They were more concerned about what they lost versus what was saved. Their priorities were all messed up. They were concerned about trivial things versus the thing that matters most. There was a man who had a need and they were concerned about their pigs. They were concerned about their money. They were concerned about what they lost. But did they understand that there was a son, possibly a brother, a friend, ultimately a child of God that was ultimately in need that found a savior? Jesus says this, for the Son of Man did not come to seek and save that which was lost. The Son, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Sometimes we have to put our priorities back into perspective. When we see people on the street, do we see them as someone's son? Do we see them as possibly somebody's brother? Do, do we see them as our brother or our sister? Do we see them through the eyes of Jesus? We have to be intentional about how we see people. We have to be intentional about how we see people, not through the eyes of our heart, but through the eyes of God. 
we have to be intentional about that. Secondly, not only did Jesus want, wants to restore our past, but he wants us to understand our purpose. Verse 18 says, so Jesus got into the boat and he, the demon-possessed man, came and begged Jesus that he might go with him. However, Jesus did not allow him to go. It was so easy for him to, to leave. You know, a lot of times when our lives are changed, we think that we are changed to leave and to go and forget what's behind. You know, Scripture says, forgetting those things which are behind, I continue to press towards the mark of Christ Jesus, the high calling of Christ Jesus, the mark of, of Christ Jesus. It's not so much for us forgetting as much as it is being held back by. Jesus told him, no, I don't need for you to go. It's, it's so easy for us to leave and to forget the people who we used to have influence over negatively. But Jesus told him to do this. He said, go to your home, go to your friends, and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Jesus told him to go home to his family for the purpose of being a witness. He told him, I want you to go home. Your life was changed, not just for you, but your life was changed so that you can influence and be a witness of me to other people, especially those who are familiar with you. But here's where the tension happens. See, it's easy for us to go overseas and to share the good news of Jesus Christ to people who don't know us. But it's something else. When we are bold enough, when we're confident enough, when we're, when we're assured enough to be able to go and share it with our family and our friends. Why? Why is there tension? Because they know what you used to do. They knew the things you used to say. They knew how you used to act. But the beauty in that is that when they try to bring back and bring up what you used to do, what you're able to say is that all things become new, that Jesus changed my life. And it's not just the words that you speak, but it's the actions, it's the life that you live that people begin to recognize what Jesus has done in your life. Jesus didn't want them just to leave and follow him in regards of just going to the next place to engage with the next group of people, but he wanted him to stay. Let me help you understand something very important, that Jesus saved you for the purpose for you to be saved and to go and share the message of Jesus Christ and what he's done for you in your families and in your communities. He said, go home. And that home is not just the place where you sleep, but it's to your hood, to your neighborhood, to your community. 
to the places where you work, where you live, and where you play. Jesus helped him understand that the purpose is not for you to go with me, but for you to go back home. But here's what I love about the next step is number three, is that he helped him, number one, he restored his past. He restored him back to his purpose in life, to help him understand his purpose. And lastly, he helped define his proclamation. And by the definition, a proclamation is our official announcement of an important matter in our lives. One of the hardest things, as I said, is for us to go and share with our friends and family because they know, if I dare to say, they know where the dead bones are. It's the fear of doubt that we don't share. It's the fear of rejection. It's the fear of what are they going to think or what are they going to say. But Jesus takes the thinking out of it for him. You see, when this man, this is my, my spiritual imagination, I believe that when he asked, could he go, and Jesus told him no, he said, but go home. I'm pretty sure he was like, but what am I going to say? What, 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 what do I, why, why don't you want me to go? What, what, what am I going to say to the people that I'm, that, that I'm here with now? And Jesus says this in verse 19. He gives them two simple steps. He says, go and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. He says, tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. What great things the Lord has done for you. What great things the Lord has done for you. What great things the Lord has done for you. And then also, how he has had compassion on you. With a restored past and an understanding of his purpose, and with a defined, clear proclamation of what he's supposed to do, with a clear mind and a clear direction, in verse 20, it says that he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And all marveled. He was given the tools necessary to go and to share. Now you may say, preacher, now my story is not as horrific as this man. Some of our stories you may feel may not be as powerful. Some of you may not have the story of abuse, addiction, depression, 
emotional instability, rejection. Maybe your story is not like that. But let me help you understand something. Your, your story doesn't have to be powerful. All your story has to be is personal. About how you came in contact with Jesus and how Jesus changed your life. How the old man used to be, but because of your encounter with Jesus, old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. How do I know this to be true? Because the same story that happened to him happened to me. My story may not, may not be as dramatic as his, but it was still my story. It wasn't until 1993 on the campus of Alabama State University where I came face to face with Jesus. Where I had been living my best life, doing everything that I wanted to do, going and acting out, not representing anything about who Jesus is in my life. But somebody came and shared the gospel with me. A young man who thought he was once saved didn't understand what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And the people who I negatively influenced when I was living my own life now I use my story and how Jesus changed my life from that moment to encourage them to let them know that the same Jesus that impacted me can impact them. That the same Jesus that changed my life can change theirs. This man had the tools he was given the instructions, and the same instruction that Jesus gave him is the same instructions that he's given us. Go and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. As believers and followers of Jesus Christ, our story is to share the good news, to go to our homes and to our communities and to the places where we work, live and play, and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That is what we're supposed to do. I said in the beginning that the thief, Satan, comes but to steal, kill, and destroy, as Jesus says. But Jesus also said, but he has come that we may have life and have life more abundantly to the full. And the only way that we can have that abundant life is through the power of Jesus Christ. This man's life was changed because of Jesus. He was no longer bound by what he used to be. Because the Bible says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Folks, the same way that this man's life was changed, 
And it goes on and says that he went throughout the Decapolis proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And everybody marveled. Folks, it is our responsibility. It's not just the pastor's responsibility. It's not just the, the leader's responsibility. It's not just the elder's responsibility. It's all of our responsibilities to share what the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. But the only way that we can share what good things that he's done for us and how he's had compassion on us is that we first had to experience him for ourselves. This morning I said that I have two prayers. The first prayer was that this message would encourage those who are followers of Jesus Christ to be intentional about sharing their faith. But secondly, my prayer was that to encourage those who are not followers of Jesus, that today, that you will surrender your life to Christ, to allow him to restore you, to help you understand your purpose, and to give you clear a definition of who he is. And all that happens by you surrendering your life to him. This morning, I would invite you to do two things. And when we sing, the, the altar is going to be open, however you do it, stand. But, but, I, but, I, but I, I want to encourage you to do two things. One, I need for you to go and tell. And if you haven't told in a while, I would encourage you to go tell now. And my prayer is that God would give you the boldness. Will give you the confidence. Will give you the words to speak when the opportunity presents itself. We have to be intentional about sharing our faith. We just can't pray for somebody and ask God to send somebody else when God's saying, I'm sending you. God is not saying, you're not praying for an opportunity for other people. God is saying, no, I'm praying for an opportunity for you today. It's time for us to stop standing on the sideline and get in the game. We've been watching too long. It's time for us to get going. It's time for us to be intentional about sharing what good things God has done for us and how he has had compassion on us. But also, there are those, there may be somebody in here this morning that today your story can change. What people used to know today can be your new beginning. And the only way that's going to happen is by you totally surrendering your life to Jesus. By inviting him to be your personal Lord and Savior. This morning, many of us can say that we know Jesus for ourselves. Amen. 
If that's you, raise your hand. Raise your hand high. Without, without, that you, know, that you have a personal relationship with Jesus that no one can ever question. But then there's some in here that may not have been able to raise their hand. And today is your opportunity to open yourself up by surrendering your hands, your will, your mind, your entire body to Jesus. How do you do that? By simply praying a prayer. By simply inviting Jesus into your life as your personal Lord and Savior. The Bible says in Romans 10 and 9 and 13, he says that if anyone confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in their heart, believe that God is raising from the dead, that you will be saved. For with the heart one believes, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's you opening your mouth and inviting Jesus in to be the Lord of your life. This morning, will you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. If you're here this morning, and this is just between you and the Lord, not between your neighbor, not your wife, not your, your children, this is between you and the Lord. If you are unsure that if you were to die today, and today is not a good day to die, it's supposed to be a beautiful day outside, that if you were to die today, that you know without a shadow of a doubt that you will spend eternity in heaven because you have a relationship with Jesus. If you're not confident about that and you know that for sure, I would invite you to pray this prayer. And the prayer is simple. By simply saying, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. that I may serve you all the days of my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. If you prayed that prayer, why don't you slip up your hand where you are? Amen. It's where you are. Raise your hand. This, this is just you and the Lord. Praise God. Amen. You can put your hands down. What, what, what we're going to do next is the Bible says that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're, we're going to sing a song. And just as you raise your hand, I, I'm going to pray that we all going to stand together. 
And as they're singing, I want you who raised your hand, and I, I see you, to come down here as a, as, a, as a first step of your public proclamation of your surrendering your life to Christ. And one of the leaders or the elders or the ministers will come and tell you the next steps. Father, we thank you for who you are in our lives. God, we love you. Thank you for my brothers and my sisters that surrendered their lives to you today. Those of you raise your hand, will you just stand real quick, please? Just stand up where you are. Just stand up where you are. Just stand. Just stand. Come on, you can stand together. Matter of fact, let's all stand up together. Let's all stand up together. And as they sing, why don't you come around? Why don't you come around? Why don't you come here and let us pray with you? Amen. Amen. Let us go ahead and sing. And let's, those of you who gave your life to Christ, come on down. Come on down. Come on down. We're waiting on you. Amen.